You're listening to Bad Habits, a sermon series about some of the destructive behaviors that can hurt us. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. We are in a series that we have titled Bad Habits, Bad Habits, and the truth of the matter is everybody's got Habits. I got habits. You got habits. The person sitting next to you, they got habits. We all got habits. Like one of the habits that I have is if I go to somebody's house and I need to use the restroom, if I go into their restroom, I always look behind the shower curtain. I always do. Uh, and the reason why I do that is because when I was in college, I had a roommate, Michael Barnes. And so he thought it would be real funny to uh, jump out from behind the shower curtain one day when I was using the bathroom. And so I went into the bathroom and I just started, you know, I'm standing in front of the toilet and he jumped out screaming, man, you talk about a mess, man. I made a mess in that bathroom. But ever since then, man, I checked behind the shower curtain. It's a, it's a habit. We all have habits and some of our habits are okay. Some of our habits are okay. So there's nothing wrong with some of our habits, but the truth of the matter is some of us have some really bad habits. Now we don't think they're bad habits because the majority of people we know might struggle with the same habit we struggle with. We don't think they're necessarily bad habits because society seems to kind of embrace some of these habits. But the truth of the matter is just because the majority of society accepts a certain habit, it doesn't mean that it's acceptable to God. And so what we've been doing in this series is we have been praying the same prayer that David prayed in Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. As we continue in a new year, what we are asking God to do is search our hearts. We're asking God to point out anything in our life that offends him. And we're asking God to do that because we want to be led in the path of everlasting life. We want our lives to be pleasing to God. And so far in this series, we've had a message about lying. We had a message about gossip, and today I want to talk to you about another interesting, interesting topic, and that is the topic of lust. Lust. See, there is something in the church world that's known as the seven deadly sins. Seven deadly sins. You may have heard of that phrase. You may have heard of those sins before, but the seven sins that are included in that list are pride, greed, gluttony, wrath, envy, slothfulness, and then also lust, lust. And lust is something that some people would say, you know what, I don't struggle with lust. I don't have a problem with lust. And if that's you, what I want you to know is that, you know, you are more spiritual than David, whom the Bible refers to as a man after God's heart, own heart. And I'm glad that you are here today. I hope you'll stay and shake my hand because I can't wait to meet you. Okay. Uh, But lust really is, it's something that I believe almost every person struggles with at some point in their life because lust is one of those real sneaky, sneaky sins. It really is. Maybe that's why Jesus said, you know what I mean? In Matthew chapter five, verse 28, he says, but I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. Jesus is trying to warn us. He's trying to warn us because again, a lot of people don't realize they have a problem with lust until it's too late. 
And so lust is something that men struggle with. It's something that women struggle with. It's something that every person struggles with. And so we've got to learn how to combat that in our own lives. And so I want you to see a story in God's word about what lust can do, what lust can do. And we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 11, 2 Samuel chapter 11. But as you're turning there, let me go ahead and give you the first point that I want you to see. The first thing that I want you to see is that we tend to lust when we are in the wrong place. We tend to lust when we are in the wrong place. If you've got your Bible again, go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Uh, This is a sad story from the life of King David. Again, a person that the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. And here's what the Bible says, starting in verse 1. It says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now, I need you to see something in that verse right there. I need you to understand that David, at this particular point, he is the king. He is the king, and he has been chosen by God. He has been anointed by the prophet Samuel. He is the king, and so he has stepped into this role. And as the king, there were certain responsibilities that he had. As a king, there were certain things that he would be expected to do. And in this verse, we get, we get a glimpse of something that he was supposed to do because verse 1 says, in the spring when kings go off to war. One of the responsibilities was for the king not just to bark orders to his soldiers. One of his responsibilities was really to go out and lead his army. And obviously, this wasn't a time of peace for Israel. It wasn't a time of peace. There was a war that needed to be fought. The Ammonites were always causing trouble for Israel, and so they are at war. But instead of doing what he should have been doing, instead of being where he should have been, what he does is he sends Joab out to do his job, and David stays in Jerusalem. Now, this needs to be a lesson to each and every one of us. And that lesson really is that we're headed for trouble. We're headed for trouble when we're not where we need to be. We're headed for trouble when we're not where we need to be. David wasn't where he should have been. And I promise you, trouble is on the horizon. So we tend to lust when we are in the wrong place. And the second thing that I want you to see this morning is we tend to lust when we look at the wrong things. We tend to lust when we look at the wrong things. Watch what happens in verse 2 of this passage. It's amazing. The Bible says, One evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a beautiful woman, a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. Now again, this is a message about lust, and what happens here is David rolls out on his on the roof of his palace one day. He's, he's, just, he's just trying to clear his head, you know what I mean? And he looks down, and what does he see? He sees a woman. He sees Bathsheba. That's who this is. We're eventually going to see that. But he sees Bathsheba, and man, she is fine. She is hot. She is a looker. And you know what she's doing? She's bathing. Now, uh, how many of you, you bathe? If you're not raising your hand, you're nasty, okay? You really need to do that, all right? You need to bathe. Uh, and so I, I don't know how it is for you, but you know, usually people bathe, and when they bathe, they're not wearing clothes, right? They, they bathe naked. That's, that's what happens, okay? And so, and so she's down here, and she's 
bathing. So I can picture David on his rooftop. Maybe he's sipping a sweet tea, you know what I mean? Walking around, trying to clear his head. He's looking at the beautiful sunset, you know, and he's just drinking. He's just, and then his eyes roll around. And you know what he sees? He sees a woman. He sees a woman. He sees Bathsheba, and and she's naked. You know what he... He spit that sweet tea everywhere, you know what I mean? And he was like, what in the world, man? He starts drooling. And I know some people want to blame David entirely for this whole thing, how he should have respected her privacy because Bathsheba was just there taking a bath. But no, 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 no. Bathsheba is also to blame for what's about to happen because, come on, do do you think she knew who lived next door to her? Like, If the president of the United States lived next door to you, would you know that? Yeah, you would know that. You would know that. She knew who lived next door to her, and she also knew that David had not gone out to war. Because think about it, the whole Israelite army had left. The city had seen them off. And so Bathsheba knew that David didn't lead them out. It was Joab who led them out. So she knew that David was home. And so she might have even been somewhat familiar with his routine. She probably knew that he had a habit of going up on his rooftop every day to kind of clear his head. And and I wasn't there, okay? I wasn't there, but I I, kind of imagined that she knew his routine and that she was probably on the roof and she wasn't hiding what she was doing. In fact, I believe she might have even been trying to draw attention to herself. Like maybe light some candles, you know what I mean, up there while she's taking that bath. Some ladies like to do that. Some men do too. It's weird. Anyway, uh, but, but you know what I mean? She's got some candles lit and she's got her radio on. She's got a radio on. She's playing a little Savage Garden. Anybody know about some Savage Garden? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? I'll be a dream. I'll be a wish. I'll be your fantasy. Anybody know that song? Some of y'all don't know about no Savage Garden, man. But I mean, I think she was playing some music. And there's David, man. And he's drawn in. He's looking. He's enticed by what he sees. And y'all are like, man, I can't believe that. But women do that, that very thing every day. A lot of women do. Am I right? Come on, ladies, don't be mad at me. I'm not saying you are, but most, there's a lot of ladies out there who really want to do everything they can to get attention drawn to them. I've seen girls who are wearing shorts that are so short, they're like pulling them down. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen anything? I've seen girls who are like wearing such, their shirts are so low cut. I mean, seriously, girls today are always like, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's crazy. I remember not too long ago, man, I'd gone to Walmart. I'd gone to Walmart. I needed to pick up a few items. I actually needed to get some apples and some bananas. That's what I needed. And so I'm in the fruit section. Well, the produce, that's what it's called, right? Produce. I'm in the produce section. And so I'm there, and there was this woman there who was, she wasn't wearing much of nothing, for real. She wasn't wearing much of nothing. And so she's, she's walking in. She's, you know, got everything there, you know, for everybody to see. And, you know, all these guys, every guy in the store is looking at her. And it's, they can't help it. You know, you ever walked outside and your neighbor's like cooking barbecue or something like that and you just smell it, you know what I mean? Oh, you can't help, right? Right, that's what's happening here. Every man in that store was looking at this woman. I was even looking at this woman. And so I'm there buying apples, man. I'm buying apples and she pushes her buggy right up beside me. And it's awkward, you know, because I'm trying to buy apples and she's... (laughs) And so I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. So I just handed her an apple. And she said, what's this? I said, girl, you need to eat that apple right now. And she said, why? 
I said, because it took Eve eating an apple for her to realize she didn't have much on. I'm hoping it works for you, too. She looked, I'm just kidding, I ain't having, that'd be hilarious, all right. Huh? Man, I didn't really do that. That's hilarious, though. I don't care who you are. Man, but a, a lot of women, man, they need to be a little more modest. They do. See, think about this. If you got kids, you wouldn't leave a loaded gun on your coffee table, would you? You wouldn't leave drugs out and alcohol out on your floor for your kids to get. Why? Because kids are naturally curious. And they're going to gravitate towards those things. And those things are destructive. We all need to be a little more careful when we put our stuff out there for others. Because we all have a natural tendency to lust. We scroll on Facebook and we see a picture. And we think, you know what, I need to click on that. I need to see that. We're, we're on the internet, and the wrong thing pops up. And we think, you know what, I need to look at that. I need to see that. We look at the wrong things. We lust. And remember, lust is one of the seven deadly sins. Bathsheba, she puts herself out there, and David took the bait. He took the bait. And you're about to see the results really are deadly. They're destructive. Because look at what the Bible says in verse 3. It says, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elaim, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So Bathsheba, again, she literally, she puts herself out there. And David saw her, and what he saw was very appealing, but that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. He, he started to give her more attention than he should have, and that wasn't enough. Bathsheba was so appealing to David that David sent men to find out about her. It wasn't enough. And that brings me to my next point. See, the problem with being in the wrong place and the problem at look, with looking at the wrong things is that lust will cause us to do the wrong things. Lust will cause us to do the wrong things. Look at verse 4. The Bible says that David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. He slept with her. How in the world does this happen? Well, it happened because David shouldn't have been there in the first place. And that's how it is for us. Men, oftentimes, instead of investing in the marriage that they have, they're somewhere else. And they're investing in a relationship on Facebook or something like that. We're not where we need to be. Instead of making church a priority in our own lives, instead of being in God's house, we go to all sorts of other places and we make all sorts of other things a priority. We're not where we need to be. Folks, did you know that studies show that only 34% of men, 34% of men attend church on a regular basis? Only 34% of men. We're in the wrong place. We'll go to the woods. We'll go to the ball game. We'll go to the lake, we'll go to the gym, but we won't go to God's house. We're in the wrong place. And women do the same thing. Because studies show that only 45% of women regularly attend church. We're in the wrong place. You show me somebody who steps away from church, and I'll show you somebody who's fixing to make some serious mistakes in their life. I just want you to know, it's so much easier. It's so much easier to do the wrong thing when you're in the wrong place and you're looking at the wrong thing. We really need to ask ourselves, each and every one of us, 
Are we where God wants us to be? Are we where God wants us to be? David was in the wrong place. David was in the wrong place, and he did the wrong things. Watch this. He should have been with his troops, and Bathsheba, she knew it. But watch what happens. David sleeps with Bathsheba. He sends her home, and then verse 5 says, The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. What? I am pregnant. Now David has done wrong. He's already made a mistake here. He should have owned up to it. You'd have thought since he was the king that he would have owned up to it, but he continues to do wrong. You got to see this. Remember, Bathsheba, she is married. So look at verse 6. The Bible says, So David sent this word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a, and a gift from the king was sent after him. You know, what, you, know what David, you know what David's trying to do here? David's trying to get Uriah to go home. He's trying to get him to go home and sleep with his wife so that when the baby is born, you, you know, uh, Uriah just believes or assumes that this child is his. Man, this is scandalous. This is sneaky. But you know what verse 9 says? Look at it. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. Uriah doesn't do what David thought he was going to do. And verse 10 says this. David tells Uriah, Uriah, you did not go home. So he asked him, why? Why haven't you gone home? You, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? David, again, he's thinking, man, this guy's been off at war. He's been off at war. He should be happy to go home to his wife, especially Bathsheba. She's fine. That's what he's thinking. That's what he's thinking. But he doesn't do it. And so why? Why didn't he go home? And then Uriah basically tells him, and these words that Uriah is about to say, they really had to sting King David's heart. Because watch what he says. He says, David, the ark in Israel and Judah are staying in tents. And my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing without even realizing it. Without even realizing it, man, Uriah is saying, David, I shouldn't be here. And David, you shouldn't have been here either. You shouldn't have been here either. He's the king. He should have been out leading his army. Uriah says, what kind of person would I be to go home and enjoy life while all my brothers in arms are, are out there suffering? What kind of person would I be? And so he's trying to, he's trying to David continues to try to entice Uriah. He basically says, hey, you know what? Why don't you stay a few more days? Stay a few more days. You're my special guest. I'm going to give you a feast. And so he's cooking him all this stuff, and he's, he's going to continue to do wrong. Watch what happens. David, again, he's committed adultery, and this is a big deal because Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10 says this, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, the wife and his, of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteresses are to be put to death. He was supposed to die. David deserves to die. He's done wrong. And instead of accepting responsibility, instead of trying to make things right, he's going to try to encourage someone else to do wrong. You got to see this. He gets Uriah drunk. Check this out. Verse 13 says that David's invitation, he ate and drank with him and David made him drunk. You see what's happening there? David's like, oh man, 
You, here, let me top off your glass for you. Oh, you got to try this stuff. This is the good stuff. You got to try this stuff. He's trying to get Uriah so drunk. He's trying to get Uriah so drunk that he probably doesn't even remember anything. But the Bible says in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. He did not go home. He still won't go home. You know what David decides after this? David decides, well, Uriah has to die. Uriah has to die. Even though David is the one guilty of committing adultery, even though it was David's lust that caused all of these problems, David thinks that Uriah needs to die. And so look at verses 14 through 15. This is sad. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he said this, Put Uriah out in the front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so that he will be struck down and die. Lust led to adultery. Lust led to murder, which is terrible in and of itself. But to make matters worse is who Uriah actually is. See, if you study and you try to figure out who Uriah is, Uriah wasn't just some normal soldier. In fact, Uriah was one of the 37 mighty men that David had. Uriah had protected David at the cave of Adullam. He, was, he had protect, protected him from King Saul when King Saul was trying to kill David. Uriah was one of David's strongest, most capable, and most trustworthy soldiers. They were probably even friends. They were probably even friends. And so now David has decided in his mind, not only is he going to sleep with his friend's wife, but he's going to kill his friend. He's going to kill his friend. Lust. Lust is so dangerous. So how? How do we avoid the sin of lust? I got one real practical way before we finish that I want you to see. If you and I want to avoid the sin of lust, we've got to flee temptation immediately. We've got to flee temptation immediately. See, David wasn't doing anything wrong when he was walking on the roof of his palace but when he caught a glimpse of Bathsheba, he lingered. He lingered. He kept looking. Rather than going back inside, instead of diverting his attention, instead of fleeing temptation, instead of running, he kept looking and he kept thinking and he thought about having her for himself. They, they told David that she was married, but David kept thinking. He kept thinking about her. See, many times what gets us in trouble is that we spend too much time thinking about things that we don't need to be thinking about, really. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, verse 18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Immorality. That's what it's, I'm sorry, I can't even speak. Immorality. I'm sorry. So, Flee, flee. What, is that, what does that even mean? What does it mean? What does that mean? It means to run. It means to run. See, I remember I was cutting my grass last year, and I had just finished cutting the grass. And uh, on our porch, we had this owl. It was supposed to be a birdhouse, uh, but no birds ever went into it. And so uh, my wife thought it was pretty, so it stayed. I've learned happy wife, happy life. So she liked it, so it stayed there, okay? And so we got this owl 
birdhouse on our porch. After I finish cutting the grass, I'm weed eating. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I'm weed eating, not a care in the world. And my head hits that owl. And when my head hit that owl, that owl started swinging kind of back and forth and back and forth. Well, I, I didn't realize it, but right inside of that owl was a huge wasp nest. A huge wasp nest. So here I am weed eating, again, not a care in the world. And all of a sudden, out of my peripheral vision, I see all these wasps flying at me. And some of these wasps, they're huge. They're huge. If I'm exaggerating, it's only slightly. But some of them were the size of geese. You know what I mean? They're, they're coming at me, man. They are coming at me. So what do you think I did? I didn't just sit there and say, man, look at God's creation. That's amazing. I didn't sit there and say, oh, wow, look at that. I took off running. Running. I got the weed eater in my hand. I ran from the front of my house to the garage, from the garage inside. I got the weed eater inside. My dogs are going crazy. They don't know what is going on. Man, I ran. I ran. Well, that's what it means to flee. You get away and you get away quick. When you are scrolling on Facebook and something shows up that you don't need to see, you either put that phone down or you throw it in the trash. You know what I mean? That's what you got to do. When you're at Walmart and somebody walks at you and ain't wearing much of nothing, you know what you need to do? You need to take your buggy and do a U-turn. You need to get out of there. You know what I mean? That's what you got to do. You've got to flee. Ladies, when a man sends you a Facebook message or a text message and it's not your husband, and he's trying to be a little more than friendly, you need to flee. You need to flee. Maybe you're at the gym and somebody's flirting with you. And again, it ain't your wife and it ain't your husband. You better run. You need to be doing cardio anyway. That's why you're at the gym. Run. You flee. That's what you do. You get away. In Genesis chapter 39, we read the story about Joseph and how Joseph was working in Potiphar's house. And how Joseph is at Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife has a, has a crush on Joseph, and she actually wants to sleep with Joseph. And so one day, it's just Joseph and Potiphar's wife, and they're in the house, and she actually takes a hold of Joseph. She takes a hold of Joseph, and she says, sleep with me. Well, you know what Joseph did? Joseph flee. He took off running. He took off running. She had such a grip on him that her, his robe ripped off. He ran out of the house naked. He didn't stop and say, oh, I got to cover up. He ran. He fleed. That's what you've got to do. You have to run. You say, well, pastor, what about the situations when I can't run? When I can't flee? What then? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Job says, Job chapter 31, verse 1, he says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Sometimes you're going to have to make a covenant with your eyes that you're just not going to look lustfully. Turn away. Now, I hope you hadn't sat here this whole time and thought that this is just a, uh, some sort of uh, message about being attracted to other people because lust is so much more than just physical attraction to people. It really is. In fact, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible says this, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. See, lust is not just something sexual. Lust is a craving for anything, an intense craving for anything. Some people lust for money. They They'll do anything they can to get it because they lust for it. Some people lust for possessions. They'll do anything they, they can to get them. Some people lust for power. They'll do anything they can to get power and position. 
It's all lust, and it's all deadly. It's all deadly. See, I'm wrapping up. But this week, I was reading a pretty interesting article, and it was just talking about some of the habits and customs of, uh, of some of the Eskimos in North Alaska. And for years, the Eskimos hunted polar bears. They really depended on the polar bear um, to survive. They really did. They, they would get meat from the polar bear. They would make their clothes or jackets from the fur. They would use the fat from the polar bear to cook. They would take the bones and they would make tools out of the polar bear's bones and things of that nature. Again, uh, they didn't just run around trying to hunt polar bear for game. It was something they needed to survive. Now, you don't just go out and catch a polar bear. You don't. Because if you don't know this, uh, a polar bear, uh, a male polar bear can weigh up to 1,500 pounds. 1,500 pounds. That's a, that's a big animal. At Christmas time, Coca-Cola likes to use the polar bear to promote their product. And you look at them and you're like, oh, they look so cute. They look so fuzzy. No, a polar bear will kill you, okay? It's big. It's big. They will kill you. And so the Eskimos, what they used to do is that instead of like spending all their time chasing chasing after a polar bear, what they would do is they would kill a small seal and they would drag that seal through the snow and they would leave a, a blood trail and then they would put the seal somewhere but before they put the seal somewhere they would take a knife, a long double-edged knife with a, with a very long, long handle and they would stick that handle in the ground with the blade protruding and then they would put that seal's body on top of the knife and so a polar bear would come along and it would find that blood trail and it would follow that blood trail because polar bears are attracted to blood and that polar bear would find that blood trail and he'd find that seal and he'd think man I have found an easy meal and so that polar bear would just jump into it and start eating that seal the bear without even realizing it the bear would be licking that blade be licking that blade that double-edged knife and again they're drawn to blood and so the more that polar bear licks and licks and licks, the more blood he tastes. And without even realizing it, the bear, the polar bear, is killing himself. It's his lust for blood that actually kills him. Well, folks, I'm telling you, lust happens when we're in the wrong place. Lust happens when we're looking at the wrong things and lust will cause you and I to do the wrong things as well. Things that we never thought we would ever do. Lust is a deadly sin. It's a deadly sin. It's a deadly habit that the enemy wants to use to destroy you, to destroy me, to destroy us all. So is, a, is lust a problem in your life? Is lust a problem? Because it's a bad habit. It's a bad habit that God would want us to overcome. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life, but here's what I want to know. Are you where you need to be? And I don't just mean at church this morning. I mean, spiritually. Are you where you need to be? Are you looking at the wrong things? 
It doesn't even have to be sexual things. Just things that are distracting you from what God would want you to be focused on. Maybe right now today you're, you're thinking, you know what? I'm just not good enough. That's what, you're, that's what you're looking at. You're at a place in your life where you don't think that anybody could love you. You're at a place in your life to where you don't think you have any value. And that's all you can think about. Well, I want you to know today that's not true. God loves you. He loves you so much. And the fact today that you're just struggling should show you that you've not been defeated yet. You're just wrestling. And so God would want you to come to him so that he can give you strength, so that he can give you the ability to overcome anything the enemy throws at you. And so maybe you're here and you know that's what you need. You don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And so you're living in and on your own strength. But today you'd say that needs to change. I need to give my heart to Jesus. If you know today that you need to be saved right where you're at, I'm going to ask that you lift your hand. But you know you need Jesus. You know you need to give him your heart. You need to make things right. Amen. Amen. If that's you, I'm going to ask right where you are that you pray. Father, today forgive me for all of my sins, for lusting after things that ultimately are not going to satisfy. Father, I pray that you'd help me to have a passion for you, to seek you each and every day, above all and before all. Father, I pray that you would save me from my sin and myself. Mold me into a new creation and help me to be who it is that you want me to be. Father, today, I thank you for changing me. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www. .elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.